I've always said, go back and know your history. Look into why we do the things that we do. And I was going to share a few things about Valentine's Day with you, and I'm just going to stop at love. Because some of the things that I found, I dare not say, much less from a pulpit. But I think even in these holidays, when the world is talking about something, if they want to talk about love, I want to tell you today about the original or the ultimate Valentine. I want to tell you about real love. Last week, I was, we didn't make it, I apologize for last week, it was a long week. We didn't make it to church. I was sitting on the couch watching it, and I got a phone call saying that I was supposed to be here and that I was the elder on, on duty. Um, sometimes life throws you a curveball. So we watched and participated on the Internet. And I was really interested to hear, people, to hear Pastor talk and to say that God cares about people. And do you remember last week when he was talking, he said that when they broke up the groups, that God made sure that someone went with them who believed that they were not left without a knowledge of God. Do you believe that? Would you like to be that person that goes? If God sends it and God deems it, yes, we want to go. God would never leave any group or any people on earth without some help. I want to tell three stories today. The first story that I want to tell is Daniel. I'm going to tell you a love story about a boy named Daniel. But if you know the story of Daniel, was he not stolen from his home? Is anybody confused about this love story yet? Things don't always work out like we want, do they? Don't leave. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything, but I also want to, to share what I hope and pray is a complete story and a complete picture that we can see Christ's love for us even when things go wrong. I want to go to Isaiah as we start, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, because I want us to understand how God is working. And I don't fully understand it. I've been had many left-hand turns and many reverses and many other things. But I want to see what God has to say. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Does that mean there's going to be a few surprises in our plans? I think I've experienced that, and I think you have too. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to eat, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereto I sent it. There's a whole sermon right there. How many times have we laid out a plan to find out that God's ways are higher and we were thinking too small? How many times have we went to do something to realize that we were looking the wrong way? We wanted to go this way and God said this way. Have you ever found yourself maybe at AFCO in Bible school 
and you're going out to share God with people and your windshield gets broke. How is this part of God's plan? I don't have money to fix this. And yet you call the insurance agent and they send you to the glass company and they fix it and take care of it free. And while he's doing it, he looks on your dash and he says, what are those papers? That looks interesting. He wasn't in my area. It wasn't my plan. Does God love him? Did God have plans for him? And I learned another valuable lesson that day. Our ways are not God's ways. And many times there's going to be curves and there's going to be other things that we don't see coming. We're talking about Daniel. And even as Daniel was growing up, there were three prophets. There was more than that, but we're going to talk just a little bit. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. What does the Bible tell us? Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So before something happens, God tells. Do you believe that Christ is coming back? Very soon, if you look around. Do you believe that he has told us what we need to do? We need to start searching these things out. We need to start looking at this. And just as in Daniel's day, I believe he had God-fearing parents. And they set him down and they said, the prophets have said this. And I want you to be educated. I want you to know God. I want you to love him and follow him. They were told extensively about how going against God's will would lead to captivity. And what happened? Israel went against God's will. And where did they go? Into captivity. Going against God today still leads to captivity. I want to start in Daniel. You can just, we're going to read several verses here long, so we're just going to stay in Daniel right now. I want to look at Daniel 1, 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Do you see a bigger picture here? Do you see God humbling himself? I'm going to give you these things. You think you're taking them, but I'm going to give them to you. And I have something I want to show you later on. And you're going to realize who, who the real God is. Are we willing to humble ourselves to do God's work? We need to. It's not easy. It's not something we want to do. But when we're put in that position, it's something that we should do. It's something that Daniel did. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace. Can they get anyone to do this job? He is looking for someone specific, isn't he? And he doesn't even know it, but he's looking for God. And God says, you're looking for me? I'm going to show up. I've got something for you. I think Daniel was a little surprised by his capture, but at the same time, I don't think he was really that surprised by his capture. None of us would necessarily like to be taken away at a young age. He loved God. He had read in the scriptures that some of the king's sons would go. And I think he looked around and he said, 
I've read this story, but I, I didn't know I was going to be involved in it. And friends, that's the same way today. I've read about the end times, but I didn't know I was going to be involved. God has things for us to do. As Daniel is heading towards captivity, he has a lot of time to think. I like driving. There's a lot of time to think. Daniel wasn't driving. Daniel had a lot more time to think. I believe that Daniel was going back through the scriptures that his parents had taught him, the scriptures that he had read. And if we go to 2 Kings, I'm sorry, I forgot to do the screen. If we go to 2 Kings 20, verses 16 through 18, this is one of the prophets that I believe Daniel had read. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Would it be good to pay attention to that? If the prophet says that, we should be listening. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which the fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue forth from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Do you think Daniel is thinking about this? Wait a minute. I was going to grow up, and I was going to have a wife, and I was, I was going to have kids. Let's go back to Daniel. Daniel 1.8. Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You're taken captive. You're not given a choice. You're marched all this way. They bring you into the king's house. And they set you down to feed, and you're going to say, I, I don't want to eat that. Are you in danger? If you said that, you would be. But if God had told you to say that, can he provide an answer? We're going to be put in a lot of uncomfortable situations. If you haven't already been with COVID and other things, it's coming. You're going to be put in a lot of different situations, and you need to know what God's word says lovingly lift it, lovingly share it, and forward. And there will be a cost, but forward. Can you imagine Daniel telling his captors no? And yet, praise God, because God had already brought Daniel into favor with his boss, if you will. And Daniel didn't say, I'm not going to eat it. He said, would you test us 10 days? Would you see for yourself? I think this would make a difference. Would you test it? Would you, would you allow this? The normal answer would be no. But when God brings you into favor, what's the answer? Yes. Ten days. Ten days. We're going to see what happens here. Would you go home and do some praying about those ten days? God, please, you've got to make this clear. He needs to see this. We want to honor your way of doing things. Could it be that along with Daniel purposing in his heart to do what God wanted him to do, that Daniel found his purpose? Do you think it suddenly became very clear? God has me here for a reason. He didn't know what was going on. 
He didn't know the full scope of what was about to happen. But he said, God has me on a mission. Father, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to go forward? These are not just stories in the Bible. These are stories that are playing out again today that you and I need, and you and I need to have the confidence in a creator God who answer, who hears and answers prayer, not as I want, he's not an ATM, but what's best for my eternal salvation, but also for those around me. I believe that Daniel found his purpose, and it wouldn't be the first time that he found his purpose while he was in Babylon. We see in verse 9 where God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of eunuchs. Again, this may be the first time it's happened, but it's not going to be the last. The same God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, for tomorrow and forever. So if he did it for Daniel, can he do it for us also? Can we ask the things that, God word, that God's word says and, and trust him to bring us into favor and to get the okay for that? It may not go down like we want. We don't have things right all the time. And God will adjust us as he's adjusting and working on his other children. It's about a big picture. Daniel steps out in faith. He does what he believes God wants him to do. And I want to drop down to verse 20. Daniel 1.20. It's test time. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. Who's supposed to be the wise guy? The king, is he not? The king is testing them, and the king finds them ten times wiser and better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. That's not just ten times wiser. He's got some old wise men working for him that know a lot. This is impressive. This isn't that he's ten times wiser than the kids in his class. But friends, where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. And is there any limit to that? The limit, if you will, is how much time you spend with God. I found very humbling that God wants us to know more than we want to ask. I can't tell you how many times when I finally asked, he's like, been waiting for you. Let me show you this and this. And I'm again, I'm looking at one thing, and God says, here's the bigger picture. Wow, I had no idea. Oh, no. He wants bigger things out of us. That's how God works. Because ultimately, while it is about my salvation, it's not. It's about the salvation of those around me. And in working for their salvation, I will get it also. When Christ came to this earth, what was his example? Did Christ come to get a blessing? Christ came to be a blessing. And in being, in, being that blessing... He was blessed while he was on earth. But friends, the payday that's coming, when he comes back to get what is his, he says that it will be worth it. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to Christians. Doesn't mean that your faith is wavering. Doesn't mean that you did something bad. Bad things happen to good people. The difference is we know where to turn. It may not be for the answer always. It may be for comfort. It may be for peace. And we don't always see that picture, but I know where the answers are coming from. That's the difference. Let's go forward. 
Daniel 2. In Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he can't remember it. And guess what? The wise man can't tell him what his dream is. Now, mind you, Daniel is not written in chronological order, okay? It doesn't go one, two, three. It's mixed up. But there's a reason why God has it in the order that it's in. So this happened while Daniel was still in school. Daniel 2, verse 10. The king is, the king is asking for answers. Is Daniel there? Shouldn't the wise men have wrapped their arm around Daniel? Hey, Daniel, come here. Watch. This is how we, this is how we do it with the king. Let us show you how this is done. Did they do that? They left Daniel to the side. And I actually, I can see God's sense of humor. And when you get to know God, you're going to realize that he has this big sense of humor. And God says, I let my items go into your, into your country for a reason. I'm about to reveal the first reason. Don't call Daniel. We're, we're going to use him in just a minute. So the wise men get in there. And they can't answer the king. And if you go to Daniel 2, verse 10, the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. True? He's asking for something that cannot be done. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. Verse 11, And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and God is about to smile, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Psst, Daniel, they're coming for you. I need you to stand up. I need you to fulfill that purpose that I have for you. The wise men asked for time. And the king said, you're lying to me. I'm going to kill you. If there's nothing else about Nebuchadnezzar, he is not lukewarm. <laughs> he is in it. He, he is 100% committed. Kill them, all of them, including the students, because they're being taught by the wise men right now. So just take all of them out. Just kill all of them. And so as they go out to kill the wise men, they come knock on Daniel's door. Daniel didn't even know what's going on. Just get a knock on the door. Oh, we need to kill you. Would you, uh, would you come with us, please? Um, what happened? Well, what's going on? Well, the king had a dream. And the wise man can't tell it, and you're one of the wise men, and the king's ordered that all these wise men should, should be killed. What do you do? Things just went really, really wrong. What do I do now? And Daniel says, would you take me into the king? Now, do you think that God brought him into favor again? Because if the king just issued an order to kill everybody, well, king, this one wanted to talk to you before we killed him. But God has a plan. And when God has a plan, it will go through. And he takes Daniel to the king. And what does Daniel do? Daniel does the same thing the wise men did, except he has a purpose behind it. He said, king, would you give me a little time and I'll tell you what you want to know? Could you do that? Would you be willing to stand there and say that? Is your life on the line? And yet Daniel had a walk with God. And I believe he saw his new purpose. The king had a dream and he needed to know what it was. King, I know where the answers are. Would you give me a little time? I'll be right back. And God brought Daniel into favor with the king because instead of being killed in front of him, Daniel was given what the wise men weren't. Time. What do you do with that time? 
Use it wisely. Let's go forward just a little bit more. Daniel 2, verse 16. That's Daniel going in and asking time for the king. The wise men asked for time and a death decree was issued. Daniel asked for time and it was granted. Remember our, our scripture reading for today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth on him shall not perish. I'm not saying God's children won't die. There have been martyrs and there will be more in the not too distant future. We need to be spending time with God. What I am saying is that God has made a way for Daniel, he's made a way for you, and he's made a way for me. And we need to be doing whatever God wants us to do. We need to find God's purpose for me and God's purpose for you. He didn't tell me what your purpose is, but I do know that he has one for you. You need to search that out. And our safety is doing that. So Daniel's granted time. And if we go to Daniel 2, 17... Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Verse 18, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. That Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what was their purpose in praying? That they wouldn't perish. Is that what we just read? Remember that. When you spend time in prayer, it changes you. It's amazing how the prayers change. We go in asking for one thing, and as we see God's purpose, as we see God's picture, our prayers change. With a death decree hanging over your head, what would you be doing? Would you be nervous? Would you be saying goodbyes? How about sleep? Would you be able to sleep? Honestly, probably not. And yet in Daniel 2.19, it says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. How do you get a night vision? Daniel was sleeping. His conscience was clear. <laughs> There's so much to be said for that. He had done what God had asked. He was looking to see what God wanted him to do. And whatever it was, I'm not, God, you're just going to have to help me through this. I, don't, I can't do this on my own. But whatever you want, I'm going to do. The king's going to kill us, so I've got to have an answer by morning. I don't know what this was, but you brought me here for a reason. What's your plan? Thank you, amen. And Daniel laid his head down and went to sleep. Is that confidence in God? Daniel prayed, Daniel believed God had it under control, and Daniel went to sleep and left the results with God. There's been nights that I've stayed up the entire night praying. There's been nights I've said my prayers and I went to sleep. God can hear both of those, and there's a different time for each one of those. In Daniel 2, verse 24, I'm sorry. Um, Daniel 2, 24 says, therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said thus unto him, destroy not 
me and my friends. You get the wrong translation. What does it say? Do not destroy the wise men. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said thus unto him, um, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Do you realize, many of you had a dream last night. What are the chances that I could even pick one thing out of your dream? Where you were at, whether it was day or night, whether your family was involved. What are my chances of getting that right? Zero. If I got one thing right out of everyone in here, I'd, I'd be surprised. What are the, you're going to go before the king who just issued a, a death decree, and you're going to tell him what his dream is. Is there anything that God can't do, friends? Is this important? This is very important. Daniel went into prayer asking protection for himself, and he came out asking protection for the wise men. Who is God really concerned about? Is he concerned about me? Amen. But who also is he concerned about? Everybody. His children. Not just Bonners Ferry, not just Idaho, not just the USA. His children. Awesome answer. Praise God. His children. God gave Daniel the answers he desired. And even though he didn't ask, even though they didn't ask, God gave the wise men the answers they desired, because they desired to live. But they didn't have the answers, and God provided that. Have you seen God's love for Daniel as we're moving forward? Have you seen God's protection over him? I want to touch Daniel 3. I want to touch Daniel 4. I can't do it today. <laughs> Let's go to Daniel 5. Because time has went down. The king had his answer. The wise men were spared. Let's go to Daniel 5. Because now the grandson is on the throne. And guess what happens? Daniel 5 verse 1. Daniel 5 verse 1 says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Would you like to have a thousand friends? Would you like to have three friends that would pray with you? Or would you like to have a thousand friends? I'll take three praying friends any day. I would not like to have a thousand people cheering me on. That is trouble. Guaranteed trouble. Daniel 5 verse 2. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine. You know the story. He calls for the vessels to be brought. There's something that we need to understand, and if we can see it, it gives us added confidence. When Belshazzar called for those vessels to be brought, what was he doing? He was challenging God head on. Those little cups, bring those things. Let me show you my God. I'm going to drink some wine in those. Anybody think this is going to end good? Friends, when you see someone challenging God head on, it's very painful, but it's also very comforting because you step back and you pray for them and you really need to pray for them. But you also can come to the conclusion that this is no longer my fight. It's time for God to work. This is going to be okay. These are not stories from years ago. 
These are written for you and I. The same thing God is doing today. And you and I are going to need this today and in the days ahead. Daniel 5.2, Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king, his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. This isn't going to end good. Daniel 5, 5, 5, verse 5. In the same hour as he's drinking from God's vessels, came forth the finger of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, verse 6, then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that all the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. If there was writing that showed up on the walls, would that concern you? I haven't even been drinking. I'd be very concerned. And if I wasn't in a right state of mind, I would be deeply concerned. Deeply. God is about to reveal himself. Daniel 5.8. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm used to working with my computer and, and that's a whole other story. Daniel 5.8. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Have we seen this before? I think we have. Where are the answers at? With God. Did you know today that world leaders are searching for answers? They're trying to fix things. And there is only one fix for them. Come back and do it God's way or this will never be fixed. And they don't want to do it. We are on a downward path. The end is coming. Christ is coming back very soon. Don't put salvation into the future. Many, many times, we're, well, this has to happen, and we have to have this, and we have to have this, and we put someone's salvation, ours or others, into the future. I don't know about you, but I had two friends this week, one of them a customer from the store, and another person pass away this week. Their salvation is now sure, one way or the other. You and I are not promised tomorrow. We've lost church members. Today is the day if you hear God's voice to follow, to get your heart in, to commit 100% like Nebuchadnezzar, but use God's wisdom instead of Nebuchadnezzar's worldliness when you make these decisions. It is time to get in. It's time to search these answers out. The answers that are needed today come from God's word. Whether it's written word today or words that Daniel spoke in this situation, by God's direction, Daniel foretold the fall of Babylon. Today, God's workers should also lovingly be sharing that this world is coming to an end, that there is another kingdom coming, and how to be a member of that kingdom and the benefits of being a member to that kingdom. But friends, talk is cheap. Instead of telling them, if you want to be effective, show them. Show them. Pray for them. Only say what God wants you to say. Don't beat them up. Don't do the, 
you're going to hell if you don't do this and that. According to my Bible, Matthew, I think it's 25, says, hell is prepared for Satan and his angels. No one else is supposed to be there. And if you and I witness properly, they won't be there. Do not tell someone they're going to hell. That's God's call. If you believe there's a problem there, lift them up, pray with them. Tell them how awesome God is. Tell them how he has answers for them. But do not condemn anyone. It's not that you can't call wrong, wrong. I'm not saying gloss it over, okay? There's a time to call wrong, wrong. But God hates the sin, not the sinner. Make sure those two are separated. That they know that God loves them and he has plans for them. But he's going to destroy sin very shortly. And we don't want to be attached to any of that sin that's going to get destroyed. Daniel 5, verse 31. And Darius the Mede, so that night Belshazzar was killed. The kingdom fell. Darius the Mede took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Daniel 6, verse 1 says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes. How big is this kingdom if he's got 120 leaders over it? This is not Bonner's Ferry. This is a big, big city, big kingdom. And over this 120, verse 2, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. Wait a minute. I thought Daniel was the previous kingdom. How did Daniel get into a new kingdom and he's number one? Oh, wait. God brought him into favor with Darius also, didn't he? Because there's not another kingdom around. There's not a, a president in office right now that would take the last president and say, I want you to work for me. What's the chances of that happening? If you're following God, it could happen. But this is extremely out of the ordinary. But God brought him into favor again. If you are doing God's work, he will watch over you. There's still problems. There's still speed bumps. There's still bad things that happen. But God has a plan. And while he's working in your life, he's working in theirs and on theirs also. So the presidents get upset. Who is this guy? They bring this other guy from the other, and he's over me? No, let's, let's go look into him. Let's, let's go ahead and just take him out. I'm not answering to a foreigner. Are you kidding me? Daniel 6, 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. I wish that that could be said about all of us, myself included. May God help us that the only problem they can find with us is with our God. It's a goal, something we need to be aiming at. If you're not aiming at it, we're not going to hit it. And we need to hit this one. Then said these wise men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. This is the position that God desires to bring all of us into. You know the story. They get the king to sign the papers. The king tries to get out of it, but he can't. Isn't it funny that the Medes and Persians can't undo what they do, but God's law is supposed to change? Wait a minute. 
if theirs supposedly doesn't change, surely God's doesn't change. And if you actually stop and think about it, he's wise enough the first time to get it right. He doesn't have to change, and it's good for thousands of years. And actually, it, it was good before that. He's just reiterating what was already said. It was good then. It's good now. It's going to be good in the future also. He doesn't change. There's no new rules when we get to heaven. But I want you to watch in this next verse how even when things go wrong, God does not leave us without hope. In Daniel 6, verse 16, the king realizes he can't do anything. The king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spoke unto Daniel, as you're being thrown in with this, this isn't good. They're throwing me into the lion's den. This is not good at all, is it? Would you want to be thrown in the lion's den? But wait a minute, what did the king just say? Verse 7, end uh, of 16. Now the king spoke and said to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I didn't want to go in this lion's den. God has a purpose. It's because I was faithful to God that I'm here. God, what are you up to? What, what am I supposed to... You think there was some prayer time going on? Some clarity maybe requested? And I just crazy enough to believe that when that discussion and that prayer time was done, that Daniel again laid his head down and he took him a nap in a fur bed. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Because at this point, there's nothing else he can do. What does God have in store? We're going to hear Daniel's words in a few minutes. I won't say it yet. Verse 17, a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Do you think God had a purpose here? Would you want to be a part of that? We don't want to. But when we follow God, know that we're going to be put in uncomfortable situations. And when we're put in those situations, we need to have a clear conscience. We need to know that it, was, that it was God who put us here, and it is God who will take us out of here. This is just amazing to me. Daniel six eighteen. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. There's a whole other sermon that needs to be done on fasting. It's incredible. The king is fasting. Daniel probably was too. There's not a whole lot of food down there. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The king's sleep went from him. Do you think Daniel's sleep went from him? Honestly, we're not told, but if you can sleep through a death decree, I'm thinking a little fuzzy lion. That's just a good pillow. Once you've said your prayers and once you're right with God, you're just going to go ahead and take you another nap. You're going to wake up in the morning and see what God's going to do because this one, put your seatbelt on, this one is going to be pretty incredible. I'm down here and they're not eating me, so I'm wondering to see what comes next. The king couldn't sleep that night. Verse 19. Daniel 6, 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And he came to the den and he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually? You think Daniel was glad he served him continually? 
the God who you serve continually, able to deliver you from these lions. I don't think Daniel had a mean bone in his body. He didn't hesitate and make the king wait. Verse 21, Daniel speaks up loud and clear. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. What's the secret to protection? Innocency for God and do harm to no man. That's where we need to be also. If we don't ask for this, will we ever get it? We've got to start asking for this. We're going to need it. Do you see God's love for Daniel? Do you see God's hand of protection and guidance in Daniel's life? Were there some things that happened that maybe Daniel wasn't so fond of? Being a eunuch. But when he gets to heaven, do you know that Daniel's going to have one of the bigger families? Because on earth we have a family that we're born to. But as I read the scriptures, I see that as we tell people about Christ, I am including them into my heavenly family. And starting with Nebuchadnezzar, there has been many, many thousands of people who have sat through Daniel seminars. Daniel, though he's a eunuch, is going to have one of the larger families in heaven. Would you be willing to do what God wants? Trusting him for the outcome? We need to. Got a question for you. Who in the Bible did God not love? Can you name them for me? Good. There's no one there. God loves everyone. He hates the sin, but he loves everyone. Now, how about you and I? Is there someone that you dislike? Are we working on that? Are we praying for God to change our hearts, to change their hearts? Because if God loves them and they make it to heaven and I don't love them, hmm, am I going to be in heaven? There is a time and place to give people distance, okay? I'm not saying we can't do that. But we need to be praying for them. Even at the distance, we still need to be praying for them. Remember our scripture reading, for God so loved everyone except, for God so loved the world, every race, every sex, every gender, every country. No one was left out. No one. God does not condemn anyone. Verse 17 of, our, of John three sixteen: for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but in the world, the world might be saved through him. I do want to look at one more person here in the Bible, though. Not much is written about him, but I think it's important to look at him. Now, we're talking about Valentine's and love. And if I were to, um, let's just go to John 6, verse 70. John 6, verse 70 says, Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? I thought God didn't condemn. He's not condemning. I believe that Christ is reaching for his heart. One of you's heart is not right. And I know it. And I want you to change your heart. I have plans for you. I need you to come on board. 
And friends, whether it's Daniel, whether it's Judas, who we're about to talk to, talk about briefly, or whether it's you and I, Satan has cast a vote for you. He wants you. God has cast a vote for you. God wants you. There is only three votes. It's your turn. Cast your vote. Who do you want to spend eternity with? Jesus is reaching out saying, Judas, there's one vote left. I love you. I know there's something wrong. I want you to fix it. I want to help you fix it. One of you is a devil. We need to, we need to fix this. Even with Judas, did Jesus love him? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's easy to love the Daniels in our lives. What about the Judases? They need loving too, don't they? God's way isn't always easy. But he can see us through it. And it's not anything that he hasn't already done. If we go look at Mark 14, verse 10, it says, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him, Jesus, unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money and sought how he might conveniently betray him. Who gave Judas the money? Some of the religious leaders of the day. God has faithful people. Let's let God sort them out. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's lift up their arms. Let's help them. But you and I are not perfect, and our leaders are not perfect. Let's come alongside them. Let's try to help them out. Again, there's time and space to back up and to pray for them. But even when you back up, we should never stop praying for these people. Mark 14, verse 17. And in the evening he came with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. Is Jesus being mad? Is he condemning? He didn't say, Wayne, you're going to betray me. He didn't call him out in front of everyone. Again, he said, One of you, your heart isn't right. I want you to give your heart to me. As time is running out, Jesus is going to be a little more direct with him. Why? Because he wants Judas' heart. He loves Judas. He doesn't want Judas to go down the path that he's going down. Verse 18, And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him, One by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? You know the story. Jesus said, he who sops with me, he who dips with me. Is God calling him out? God is running out of time. And he has to be more direct now. Because he is still trying to save Judas. In uh, Mark 14, verse 20 and 21, Jesus answered and said to them, Is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish? I'm going to have to be more direct now. I want you to get it right. I want you to be with me. I love you. Verse 21, The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man, he had never been born. Now Christ is starting to lay out the consequences. Don't do this. This isn't going to end well. 
He's still reaching lovingly for that heart. Before we tell someone they're going to hell because they don't keep Sabbath or they don't do whatever, are we reaching out to them with this Christ-like love? Patience, love, lots of prayer first, and things will go a lot better. Mark 14, 32. Isn't it a shame that Judas, the only fault he could find with Christ was I know where he's going to be praying. They go after your religion. Don't be surprised by that. They go after your religion. They're going to try and cause you problems. Mark 14, 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he talked with him, Peter, and, and he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry here, tarry ye here and watch. There's many times I have a rough week at the, at the thrift store. You know what helps me through those weeks? There's different ones of you that when I see you, you look me in the eye and you say, I'm praying for you. And I say, thank you. It makes a big difference. It frees God up to work in me because I need some work done on me. And it frees God up to work in the store. And it makes a difference. There's nothing like knowing that people are praying for you. It's powerful. Jesus asked them to watch and pray. And we know the story, they fall asleep. If ever there was a time to be watching and praying right now, it is now. Now is the time to be watching and praying. Things are happening right around us, and we just don't even realize what's going on. It's not really as important what's going on as it is that you know that you have found God's purpose and that you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life, which indirectly will affect other lives. Matthew 26, 46, Jesus has tried and tried. He says, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. This isn't a surprise to Jesus. He's known this. He called it out early, and yet he has let Judas be there. He, is, he loves Jesus. He's reaching out. He loves Judas, and he is reaching out to Judas, trying to save him. Verse 47, And while he yet spoke, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude, with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he Hold him fast. What is a kiss? Isn't that like an intimate affection? We don't kiss our enemies. And Judas isn't even thinking clearly anymore. Betrays the Son of Man with a kiss. Let's go to Matthew 26, 49. Matthew 26, 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. This is the last chance that Jesus had for Judas' heart. He was still reaching out for Judas' heart. Listen to verse 50. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, you've known for years he was going to deceive that he was going to sell you out. And what does Jesus call him? Friend. What does he say about the marks in his hands? These happened in the house of my friends. Of my friends. 
I don't know about you, but that's pretty humbling. With everything that we've done against God, he still calls us friends. He is still reaching out for us. He still wants us to be with him in eternity. Unfortunately, Judas made the wrong decision. It didn't end well. I want to read you something from a beautiful little book called Patriarchs and Prophets. It says on page 129, it says, Our trials lead us closer to Christ that we may lay all our burdens at his feet and experience the peace which he will give us in exchange. This is no longer my fight. This is God's. All that luggage gets transferred to him. This is his fight. Don't make it your fight. It's not. You can't win it. It's going to hurt. We do have battles to fight. But praise God, we've got a tag team. Give it to God and let him do it. Please help me. I can't do this. Please help me. Let him fight that battle. You think the victory's a lot better with Christ leading or with you leading? My battles fall bad. Christ wins his. John and Judas are representatives of those who profess to be Christ followers. Both these disciples had the same opportunities to study and follow the divine pattern. Both were closely associated with Jesus and were privileged to listen to his teachings. Each possessed serious defects of character and each had access to the divine grace that transforms character. While one in humility was learning of Jesus, the other revealed that he was not a doer of the word, but a hearer only. One daily dying to self and overcoming sin was sanctified through the truth. The other, resisting the transforming power of grace and indulging selfish desires, was brought to bondage by Satan. That is not where we want to be. As we close today, there's one more story that I dare not share. I want to share it with you. This story isn't complete, though. And best of all, you and I get to pick the ending. This story is about man and woman. This story is about you. I pray you can see Christ's love for you, that you see what he's done in the past, that you see what he's done in your life, that you can see how much Christ loves you, that you can see the plans he has for you. I want to share just a few quick verses with you. Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. From the beginning, from the very first Adam, God has had a hands-on approach for you and I. He wants to be involved with you, with your life, with my life. Unless you think it stopped there, let's go to Isaiah 44, verse 2. Isaiah was one of the prophets that set up Daniel for success. Thus the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee, fear not, O Jacob my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Is God still in the process of forming in the womb again today? Amen. Praise God, one of our former workers at the thrift store 
had a beautiful baby this week. God is still in the business of forming in the womb. What about Jeremiah? He had something to say, didn't he? Jeremiah 1.5 Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. What does God need again today? What are you and I supposed to do? Take his word to the world. That's the Great Commission. Does God need prophets to the nations again? That's you and I. God has a purpose. James 4, 8. This one is beautiful. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Can we do that? We're told to, aren't we? How do we draw nigh and close to God? By spending time with Him. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. How do we cleanse our hands and purify our hearts? It's a good question, isn't it? How do we do that? The truth is you can't, and I can't. But by spending time in God's Word, guess what happens? It purifies our heart and our hands. As we fill ourselves with Christ, there's no more need for this. Things that have been a temptation to me before, when I'm reading my Bible, are no longer a temptation. If I miss a day or two of that reading the Bible, guess what? The way we purify is by God's grace, by spending time with Him, by spending time in His Word. And God will clean you up. In the days ahead, we're going to need God's help. We cannot do this alone. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Have you asked of God? He'll show you some things. Remember what I said earlier? He is more willing to show us and tell us than we are to ask. But if you ask, he has a purpose for you. He has something for you to do. Don't miss this in this love story. God has something for you, each and every one of you. Psalms 34, 8. I want to leave you with what I pray is a good thought. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I am asking you today to start your day with God. Start reading your Bible. Start praying more. Because I think you're already doing it. Can we do it too much? No. No. Many of us are way behind. See that cup of coffee in the picture there? I want you to know that God is stronger than any cup of coffee. He will open your eyes faster and wider than any cup of coffee ever could. And while you need a second cup of coffee, God will carry you throughout the entire day. Let God wake you up. Let God get you through your day. Friends, there's over 3,573 promises in the Bible. God has blessings for you. He has things he wants you to know. He has things he wants to do for you. 
The greatest love story ever told is still being told. There are many who do not know this story. It has never been told to them. Today, Christ is calling you to learn of him and to share it with others. Along the way, there will be speed bumps like Daniel faced. Christ is asking you and I, with childlike faith, to take his hand and go wherever he leads. And I thank you for coming up and, and doing the scripture reading. Because who in here is a child? All of us. All of us are still children of God. Have that childhood faith, that childhood confidence. My daddy can do it. Have you met my heavenly father? Let me tell you what he can do. He has an answer that you're searching for. I want you to remember our scripture reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, don't dodge heaven because you think it's going to be like earth. I've had people tell me, I don't want to live forever. Friends, heaven is not going to be like this mess down here. It's going to be so much better. If there's something you miss out on, do not let it be heaven. We want to be there. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you want to win someone for Christ, lift up Christ. Let them see him. Let them see his sense of humor. Let them see his love. Let them see his creative powers, his answers. And they can't help but fall in love with Christ. And when they do, they will have to tell someone else because they can't keep it to themselves. Encourage them. Help them. Share with others. Jesus is coming soon. And I pray that you and I will be a part of that love story when our date comes back for us. Closing, please.